You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week here in the studio is Matt Kim. Hello. Sam Claiborne joins us. Hey, everybody. Good to see you. I have one down back here, so one one soldier's down. Which which, which soldier is that? I got a new one back there. I came home from the arcade. It's uh, uh, Whirlwind. Whirlwind. Williams Whirlwind. That's a good one. Good game. Very cool. And that voice you just heard was Justin Davis. Scoop. We got a great show for you this week. Got some very interesting topics uh, submitted from our listeners in Scoop Nation. Uh, one on uh, very relevant to the DLC that's been coming out for Resident Evil 4 and Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty. You know, what, what does a d- good DLC need to do to bring you back to a game that you haven't played in a long time? And then our, our sort of big topic this week is a question about AI. Would you play a completely AI-generated video game? Something that human beings have not touched barely at all. That'll be a good uh, discussion to come up in just a bit. But first... I want to let Scoop Nation know that we have Spider-Man 2 in our possession. We've down, I've downloaded it. I'm going to fire it up tonight. Uh, we will not be able to talk about it for a little bit. We got they, Sony very graciously gave us the game very early, and the review embargo is up Monday, October 16th at 7 a.m. Pacific. So we won't be diving into it until then, uh, but just want to let you know that Spider-Man is in good hands, and our web swinging adventure will begin what do you think of the download code? Was it good letters and numbers? It was all, all good letters and numbers. I, you know, shout out. I, I appreciate I've also entered some Xbox down, redemption codes lately, and they're still way too long. They're so long. I appreciate how Sony's is just 12, 12 characters. That's it. Scoop. I think about that all the time. It's like the Xbox ones are 16 and the Sony ones are 12. And then I get a little bit. I'm like, is Sony going to run out? Of codes, like <laughs> what's the math on like how many possible like oh no they can well, make they've been 16 using it for, billion codes it's fine it's been since the PS3 era right. surely they've been like 
something they're used then they can reuse now recycle they can reuse <laughs> what are well, um it's like the odds I are like know 0. Anybody... 0. 0. 0.001 yeah. to guess it yeah yeah yeah, I was going to ask the same thing. Like, what has anybody ever forced a code to work? But here's here's the kicker, and I know the audience loves code chat. This is mm -hmm, how we start mm -hmm. every episode. Code scoop. Is that uh, uh, Nintendo's codes start with the same letters and numbers that are, like, yeah. unmemorizable, but you still have to type them in each time. And it's like, you guys don't need to do that. You can just start your code later after those numbers you've already agreed <laughs> upon. Maybe they don't know. They, um, Nintendo also gives you some help because when you get like halfway through entering it, it grays out any characters that aren't going to be used. It's like, why are you giving me help? Yeah. <laughs> Guessing this code. Yeah. It, it grays out like um, uh, like they don't use O, they use zero. And like yeah. I was like, that's pretty smart. That's pretty smart. Yeah. We, um, you asking about people, I have a quick anecdote, Damon. I promise. Okay. It's fast. Code okay. chat. Um, yeah, code <laughs> chat. Um, people guessing codes reminded me um, in uh, a lot of eighth grades in the United States, you take a field trip to Washington, D.C., you fly there. And so my whole class flew to Washington, D.C., and in that era, there were phones in the back of the seat in front of you, and you could pull the phone out and, like, it Whoa. had a thing. So, like, then you could, like, punch in a credit card number and, like, make a phone call. And I just did that. I punched in a bunch of random numbers, and I called my school. <laughs> <laughs> the school i didn't know things. who else i like i didn't know like i'm like i didn't expect to get this far <laughs> i don't know yeah. I, I don't know what to do now and then um and i got to talk to some of my teachers and that was that and someone probably got so one of two things happened one either they the plane just took it on honor system that like you know sure this code must be valid we'll charge them when the plane lands or um you know someone got a bill for like 200 dollars or some <laughs> airline phone call they didn't make I remember those phone cradles on planes did have games. Now, I never played them because they are expensive, but there was like some kind of LCD black and white Palm Pilot like screen with like those phones. If I'm like reaching deep into my memory, I wonder what they were. Tetris. You know, Justin, that is exactly how Bart Simpson got a boot to the butt. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> you're lucky you got away. That is right. I forgot about that. Uh, because we love our anagrams here, I want to let everyone know Code Scoop Anagrams 2 uh, Co Scooped. Although the one that I really like is Coco's Dope. Mm. Coco's Dope. <laughs> Coco's, Coco's Dope. Um, you know, I am the same age that Homer Simpson is in The Simpsons. And it makes me wonder how many former Bart Simpsons have grown up to be Homers. Mm. Interesting. I didn't know Bar Homer had an age. Yeah, he's 39. <laughs> And it's super confusing because well, he you, has now grown up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and maybe 90s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a 90s episode. He's he's in a grunge band. Come on. Well, you're, Is that real? Mm -hmm, that yeah. is real. It's a good one. But they all went to Lollapalooza together in the 90s. We saw it. <laughs> all right. Well, with Spider-Man 2 in hand, I'll start playing that tonight, which means I don't know what that means for Baldur's Gate 3 because I've been playing Baldur's Gate 3 nonstop, and I love it, but I mean, I'm going to... When you switch gears, coming back to a game like uh, Baldur's Gate 3 might be tough. Let's see, I know Justin has put a lot of time into Baldur's Gate 3. Matt? Uh, yeah, I've also put it down because I played a bunch of Phantom Liberty. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So. Justin, you said you wanted to, you, you wanted to, like, I don't think you've really gotten to say your piece on Baldur's Gate 3 yet. Oh, on man. This show. I, just, I, it's, I think it's so good. I'm not even sure where to start. Um, I, well, I, I guess, like, Damon, where are you in the, are you still in Act 1? I'm still in Act 1, so I went through the Goblin Camp. That whole thing, which I wanted to say, mm -hmm. like, that's just like one of the coolest sequences I've done in games in a long time. Yeah. So I did went through all that. You rescue Halsam, go back to the Druid Grove, and like now he he wants to like team up with me, and we have to go to 
what, the moon tower or something, and he says there's two ways, a hard way through the mountain, or you can go through the Underdark, so I'm going to go through the Underdark, but that's where I am right now. So yeah. you only played the tutorial? <laughs> no, but the thing is, act one in that game is, and I'm not exaggerating, is like 40 plus hours long. And I'm at like 25 hours, so yeah. Yeah. Um, so actually, pro tip, Damon, you can do both paths. So mm. you can go through the mountain pass and do it. There's a bunch of story stuff there and get to the point of no return and then leave and then still go into the Underdark and do all of that. So I would okay. highly recommend it. Okay. Um, no, I, I, I know, I know, Damon, you're giving me a chance to say my piece, but I love Baldur's Gate 3 so much that it's like, I feel like I need to like compose notes <laughs> and like share. But like, Damon, the thing about that goblin camp is there are dozens of different mm-hmm. ways to approach it. Not just from a role-playing standpoint of like you can ally yourself with the goblins and say, F the good guys, I'm just going to do an evil run through. You can pretend to be on their side and then betray them. You can fight them all. Um, you can poison their, you can poison like their grog or maybe it's their stew or whatever it is and like yeah. take them out that way. Like just the reactivity of the game world is like, I, I, it's not the only game to ever do this, but it's been a while since I played a game that like if you have an idea the game just says, yes, you can do that. Like there was a, there was a stuck gear. I had to turn something and had to do a strength check and it was stuck and like, I couldn't do it. And I threw a bottle of grease on it and then it made the skill check easier. Cool. That's and, good. And just like stuff like that in the game world, it like, it, it just, you know, characters have specific dialogue. If they die, there's like, if a character dies, there's an in-game way to bring them back and resurrect them. And yeah. then they comment on what just happened. Like, Whoa! like I just died. And like, yeah. it's like so interesting and well done. And the game's willingness to like, like two characters in your party hate each other. And there's a cutscene where like, they're going to kill each other. Like one's going to kill the other. Yeah. And you can just let that happen. <laughs> you can just do that. And then you just don't have that party member for the rest of the game. And some people see that as a criticism as like, like there's a golden path, like one path is more valid than another, more fleshed out than another. But I'm like, no, like if you let that character die, like your consequences, like their storyline is just done. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that's really, really interesting and cool. And um, I don't know, it's just even on like a moment to moment basis, like I think the voice acting is like best of breed, probably the best in any role playing game yep. ever. Like yep. it really shows that all the cutscenes are motion captured, like Damon, you played Starfield. You did it in the opposite order of me. Mm-hmm. You did Starfield and Baldur's Gate. But like, it's such a night and day difference, right? Yes. Yeah. It's also got some of the best writing mm-hmm. ever in a game. Hands sure. down. Yeah. Yeah. And like yeah. I said last Love week, it. like I said last week that um, that I I really am going through the game with a fine tooth comb. I'm doing everything in the game. But as I'm watching YouTube videos and reading videos about like things you didn't see and things you missed, it's like I missed all of that stuff. And like, and I and I tried so hard to like click on everything and talk to everyone. And there's like whole characters that somehow I just never met. Um, so I, I just I I it's unbelievable how much more I liked it than I thought I would. Um, and it's really like it also has that intangible quality of like you know, I, I put it down two or three weeks ago and like, it just, it's stuck with me. I still think about it all the time. Um, and you know, I've played great games that don't do that. They just, they feel more like they're in the past and you're like, okay, that was fun. And you move on yeah. with your life. But like this one, this one gets under your skin in a really positive way. Yeah. It's so good. Um, Sam, in the goblin camp, when you arrive there, they're not hostile towards you. They're not like super friendly, but they'll let you just sort of meander about their camp. And there's several things you need to do there. You need to rescue some people that are being held captive. And then eventually you need to take out the three goblin leaders. Those are like the main quests. And like, that's where I realized uh, one of your characters, um, 
well, one of the characters in the party is it, his name is Asterian. I think is that his name. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. really good at stealth, and so uh, that's where I realized that's where I realized the best way to play the game for me was just to like s- s- let him go on his own, like leave the other three somewhere. And then eventually the goblins will turn on you because too, you do too many bad things to anger them. And there's all these rooms that goblins are just waiting in. And when you're in stealth, you can see their line of sight. You can see where you're going to be found out. So I would just take Asterion to that room and get in a safe place and then uh, use my bow and arrow on an enemy. And there's a 90% chance I'll take them out with one hit. And uh, everyone, all the other goblins will be alerted, but I'm still hidden. So I just have to wait the few seconds that they're searching for me. And then mm-hmm. when they'll, they'll just go back to their post. And then one by one, I just went through every room in the the whole goblin camp taking out all the goblins that way. It was great. You cleaned them all out? Yeah, it took like two hours. (laughs) I loved it. That's that's genocide. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I can live with it. It's Um, really, really good. You know, it's funny that you bring up the the ability to kind of um, skip quests or fail quests or just really affect the game because I think that's what people are really loving about Phantom Liberty. And when I played through some of these parts and what I'm sure what Matt did because he played so much earlier than even me, you know, I didn't realize that you can, you could, we've written about this now and done videos on it, but you can completely skip Phantom Liberty by just being a jerk. <laughs> I wrote, I wrote that headline yesterday. It's completely true. You can just, if you just say like, I don't want to have anything to do with this, you miss out on, you know, 10 story missions. You can also do it by not being fast in this other mission. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so excited to start it. I love cyberpunk so much. Um, Damon, yeah. something you can try is, you know, characters in, in, um, in, Baldur's Gate, just like every game, have barks when you click on them or when they enter stealth or exit stealth or when they attack. And like there's a barbarian named Carlac who, um, if you put her into stealth mode, she just has hilarious character barks and like it's so well done. She's like, she's like, this is for someone teeny teeny, not for someone biggie biggie. Like just <laughs> weird, weird, funny stuff. And like, and like they're all like that. Like Gail the mage has really yeah. funny barks if you try to put him into stealth mode too. He's like, I'm not the right person for this. Like, it's just, it's really cute. Um, and, and Damon, the game just goes from strength to strength. Like it yeah. just gets better as it goes and it all scaffolds up into a way that's just unbelievable. It really feels like an adventure. Like I'm traveling around with my party going on adventures. I was in a big battle in the um, goblin camp and then one shadow heart gets like knocked into the spider pit yeah. and you can't get out. So now she's just like on her own, has to go off on her own and figure out a way to like get back to the party on her own. And then I figured out this later. I don't have this ability, but some characters have the ability to talk to the spiders and you can convince the spiders to join you and attack the goblins. It's pretty good. Yeah. You definitely need to have, get a character that has talked to animals. There's speak with the dead too. You can speak with most most dead bodies you find and they have extra dialogue. Cool. Talk, Talk to animals is great. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. 
One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Well, speaking of Baldur's Gate 3, that's... Uh, we that's the topic of our first email here. So first of all, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, well, remember you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Gavin from Texas did. Says, what's up, Scoop crew? First time, long time, and I'm obsessed with Baldur's Gate 3. I told my friend that it's easily, in my opinion, the best RPG of all time. However, he disagrees, stating that it's too new to be the best. I feel that he's wrong in this case, but it did lead me to wonder when talking about all-time greats, how much weight should a game's age and cultural significance hold in a debate? I would love to hear your opinions. Uh, Justin, I believe you said you think it's the best RPG ever. I mean, I I, I sympathize with the, with the GameScoop listeners friend of like, yeah, like, yeah, I, I think it's in the running. I think, I think that if like, look, like, Gun to my head, is this the best RPG ever? Like, yeah, maybe it is. But there's nothing wrong with waiting. Like, let's see how we feel in a year, right? Yeah. Like, that's a big decision. And sometimes you need to sit with stuff for a while. Yeah. I tend to think, you know, recency bias is a real thing. But there have mm-hmm. been people within IGN, too, that have, have said Tears of the Kingdom is the greatest game ever made. Oh, we're only, like, five or six months, uh, you know, since that game has been released. Personally, I think it's a little too soon to say things like that. I don't know. Uh, Sam, where do you come down on this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth giving it some space. I mean, Final Fantasy One will continue to be the best RPG ever made. Uh, it's just there's just no there's no way to top it. They, yeah. it's just it can't be done. But um, yeah, I think it's interesting to give it as a genre thing specifically, though, because you know, like I don't know, like it's very difficult to compare the history of RPGs to each other now because they're they're so crazy different and everything. But if you were, I think it's more likely you could say like, is Baldur's Gate three the best RPG of you know? this and last generation or something it's like probably pretty easy to answer that you know yeah. then you can start thinking about like well you don't have to compare it to final fantasy 6 but you can compare it to mass effect 2 is it better than mass effect 2 you can probably answer that question right mass effect 2 is pretty good <laughs> mass effect 2 is very good but baldur's gate 3 i mean yeah. but like 
<laughs> the, the stuff like it focuses in over time. It's like, is Baldur's Gate 3 one of the greatest RPGs ever made? Unquestionably, right? Yeah. And then it can like rise in your esteem the further away you get from it as, as you know, the dust settles. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think Baldur's Gate or, or um, uh, Tears of the Kingdom are as susceptible to recency bias as, as some of the other games I've encountered. But just to explain what that is, like when you're seeing that, like on a staff that has to judge games of the year, like everybody has to talk about that because it's so real. It's crazy how much people can swoon over a game that came out and then be like, I don't even remember playing Resident Evil 4 remake, you know, <laughs> like it's, it yeah. just happens. Like it's just, it's just completely fine. But let, but what's important is that critics are aware of that, especially, um, you know, editors that are looking over stuff and, and keeping a check on it. Not, you know, and it's just, it's just part of the conversation. And I, I love how our brains do that. Matt, have you ever played a game or seen a movie and you were immediately like, well, this is the best of this that has ever been made? Yeah, actually, I have a pretty pretty real example is uh, when I played Resident Evil 2 Remake. You know, I love Resident Evil games. I played, I played oh, all man. the old ones. And I played, I played 2 Remake and immediately I'm like, this is the best Resident Evil game of all time. That's and fair. four years afterwards, I still stand by it. I think Resident Evil 2 Remake is the best Resident Evil game of all time. And it's one of those things where I feel like, um, like, recency bias is real but like when it comes to like all times list you shouldn't really get too wedded to like something just because it did it first you know like people right. talk about citizen kane because like oh it's the greatest movie of all time and like why it's like oh because it did all these things first i'm like sure but like it's not i mean you know there are better movies than citizen kane now you know I would you end so. up you end up with like the on all time lists i think matt you're hitting on something something important which is you can almost have the opposite of recency bias where it becomes like yeah, scary yeah. or hard for anything to break into and repl- like you know like tetris is like the greatest video game ever made and it's like well what are you gonna put above that like <laughs> it becomes hard to like dethrone something mm-hmm. uh i also like the opposite of this where each wes anderson movie i see is the worst wes anderson movie i've ever seen <laughs> oh i like asteroid city i just watched it yeah got, that did that break the alien. spell because it was not worse than french dispatch i will tell you that and i like wes anderson i'm not, i'm not like i'm just saying his movies are getting more Wes Anderson-y and mm-hmm. that might not necessarily be a good thing. There was like a, there's a short he released this week that I haven't seen yet. Oh, I missed Another it. Another Roald Dahl. Uh, it's not even that short. It's like 45 minutes long. What? That's it's a long one. Yes. Really? It's on yeah. Netflix. It's yeah. Like it's a new the wonderful adventures of, it's got Benedict Cumberbatch in it. You'll... Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking Netflix, of Netflix, such a, there's such a weird company. I know. There's a new <laughs> Castlevania series out and it's supposed to be great. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. I'm so excited to watch that. That's There's a Tomb Raider anime. anime they announced too. Did you see that? And the Devil May Cry anime. Yeah, I'm a little bit less excited for those. Oh. But I like that first Castlevania series. It was great. That's what you should watch mm-hmm. on your uh, plane there, Sam. Ow. What, it's going to be all in Italian. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'll just download it on Netflix. Oh, I didn't even know you could do that on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is yeah. a little. It might be a little violent for an airplane. You'll have to. How, turn, how much turn can you screen. download on your phone, <laughs> Justin? I I once watched all of Kill La Kill on an airplane. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> it's a little it's bit like fine. trying to look at my screen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam, Resident Evil Two remake or Resident Evil Four remake? Which one is the best Resident Evil? Oh, I mean, Four is Four is better than Two. Mm-hmm. It always has been, but Two is amazing. <laughs> They're both good. Ridiculous. 
Uh, luckily, I'm the host. Really? You think four is not even close to I two? I like four a lot. I think four is a very good top five Resident Evil game. I just think two remake is better. And like, I think but, four but original that, is better I, I, than two You might have missed original. this, but they they remade four. I know they remade four. <laughs> I like, think four, uh, four original is better than two original. <laughs> I think two remake is better than four remake. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, there's no way to know who's right. Two remake. I will give two tofu. That is an amazing playthrough. <laughs> well, speaking of Resident Evil Four, our next email comes from Big Tony Style. Big Tony Style he says, "I just returned from a week-long camping trip. I was catching up on all the gaming news while I was gone. I saw a lot of buzz and praise going around for the Resident Evil Four DLC and the new Cyberpunk expansion. I'm intrigued by both, but I rarely jump back into games I've previously beaten." With Little Tony style on the scene, the likelihood of revisiting a game for DLC is increasingly less likely. I'm curious what a game's downloadable content needs to do or have in order to pull you back in, and what is some of your favorite DLC ever? I admit, it's, it, it can be hard for DLC to pull me back in, because I'm, I'm just a type where I finish a game, and I'm just on to the next. And then usually, like, like right now, this Resident Evil 4 DLC is supposed to be great, but I'm playing other things right now, so it's like, there's, all, there's new games coming out, so it's hard for me to jump into that. Cyberpunk is different because it's been so long since I've played that, and it's 2.0. I'm just like starting it, a whole new game of Cyberpunk at that point. Which we should clarify, like there are two separate things. 2.0 is independent of Phantom Liberty. 2.0 right. is a big gameplay overhaul. Phantom Liberty adds a, a whole new storyline. And right. But that's what I'm saying. I, I might as well just start. Yeah, oh, totally. Just start fresh there. Justin, yeah, what for you me, it has to be made by Nintendo. Oh, you want to go to Justin? <laughs> oh, the DLC has to be made by Nintendo. You see, you're not going to play the RE4 that's DLC. I'm just saying that's the rule. Like, I, w- I will play it if it's made by Nintendo. If it's okay. not made by Nintendo, then, like, it's it's a crapshoot. I, I would actually have to add in if it's made by CD Projekt Red, too, because I've played all their DLC, but they've only had two games in my lifetime that I've played or cared about. Which yeah, are three and seven. Mm-hmm. CD Projekt is really clever and um, just thoughtful with how they do their DLC. Of like, you, They usually give <clears> you a character build to jump right to it. Like, hey, just go do the new stuff. Or start a new game and just jump right into the new stuff, or they integrate it into the main game. I think that's the right approach to take. Um, you know, like there's certain, and granted, this is like Dark Souls' whole thing is like, you know, it doesn't tell you anything, figure it out. But like, yeah, sometimes you have to read a guide on how to even start and find the DLC oh, yeah. in a yeah. game, which is cool. Like, there's this cool hidden thing that like isn't that easy to get to, but that's not for me. I'm 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 the same as you, Damon. Like, I'm I'm kind of. I'm hard pressed to think about that many story DLCs I've ever played. Actually, I don't, I don't do them. <laughs> like I just, I'm yeah. on, I'm on to the next game. Yeah, I'm like that too. Although, Undead Nightmare is the one that stands out to me mm-hmm. as being yeah. that's maybe my favorite one ever. I know there's like I didn't even play like the Bioshock stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, I, what's the one Bioshock Two had a DLC that everybody is really into. Minerva's Den, Den that yeah. people keep saying is one mm-hmm. of the best DLCs of all time. Yeah, and Infinite had good stuff too. But I just, I'm just always on to the next. That's why I don't do New Game Plus either. It's mm-hmm. like I've finished this. Game. I mean, Bethesda does huge story expansions that weave in perfectly to the game, their games. I did play those. I did play the Skyrim ones, the Dawnstar expansion, and then the other Fallout. one. Yeah. Um, yeah, they do, like, there's this cadence of, like, the game comes out, like, Bethesda is a good example of this, actually. Game comes out, one or two story packs, and then, like, the Game of the Year edition, or <laughs> yeah. if the game didn't win Game of the Year, like, the Everything edition. Yeah. Um, 
And that's good. That's like a good way to do it. Like, I guess you could argue it kind of punishes like early adopters a little bit, but it's a nice kind of like second wind that, uh, that a story game gets. And then usually the feeling is like, well, our game is like content complete now, like it's finished. And now if you are waiting, like now you can kind of experience it all in one. And that always feels good. Hmm. What cracks me up is like, I got through, I don't know, 50 hours of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And I'm like, by the time they're announcing these like giant DLCs and they were coming out, I'm like, I can't even play the 120 hours that is the main game here. Like I just yeah. don't have it in me. Oh yeah. Definitely don't need those. I did play the Assassin's Creed Odyssey DLCs and they were crazy. They went in like oh, the yeah. absolute most crazy directions. Well, that has like fantastic creatures and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I think I, I like it when they do that, like undead nightmare, like, like really like shake things up with this DLC. Don't just put, don't yeah. just give me like a little bit more of what I already played. Right. right? For me, it's got to have, it's, it's got to have new areas. Like if they add a new part of the map or a new area, and it, like from software does all this with Dark Souls, like Dark Souls and Bloodborne, mm. and, El- and upcoming presumably with Elden Ring when that DLC comes up, there's always like a new area, and there's always going to be a bunch of new bosses, and it's sort of like I'm like, all right, I'm I'm going back. Yeah, I mean Elden Ring. By the time that DLC comes out, that game's going to be two years old. That's weird. Yeah. Is that a record? Maybe, I don't. Maybe maybe they changed three plans. Years. I don't know. Three years since Cyberpunk. Maybe they'll come out and oh, say yeah, we're not. That's true. We're not doing Elden Ring DLC. Instead, we're doing Elden Ring 2. Oh, man. People will you be imagine. okay with that. Yeah. But one one reason I'm squeamish to get back into games that you know have been that long is that, and this just happened with Cyberpunk, is it, it is really, it's not like riding a bike. It's really difficult to figure yeah. out what the hell your character, like, why did I have this stuff equipped, let alone the systems. But Cyberpunk, I just skipped all that. And I'm so grateful for them to let me roll a character and start right. Phantom Liberty and I don't feel like I lost anything. It just doesn't matter. Like, I'm just like, I'm starting to build a character. And I should just compare them at the end and see how similar they are. Because I love my character I'm building. It's, like, super cool. And it's just like, what? maybe this is exactly what I'm for before. But it's, like, hacker heavy, stealth heavy. Like, I love it. Like, I'm having so much fun building this character. Yeah, that's like, Sam, what you're describing is every person that plays an MMO when they log back Ooh. into that MMO after having not played it in years and your bags are just filled with junk and you're like, I don't know what any of this is. <laughs> like, what is all this stuff? And like, where am I? And like, you have like, and like, like at least the way I play MMOs, like I'm very, very immersed in them. And so I have like a million things in my quest log and I'm just like, I don't care about any of this anymore. Get all this out of here. I like delete yeah. all the stuff from my bags or dump it. I, I'm usually too cowardly to delete it, so I dump it in the bank. I'm like, or maybe I'll need this someday. Yeah, maybe. I edited a, a big piece that we did in written in video form that was just like how to get back into Cyberpunk. And I'm really proud of it because mm-hmm. it just tells me like how do you fast travel? Because it's like it's different than any other game. Like you're not just gonna turn on the game and know where your apartment is either. Like it's like there's very basic things that if you you know skip that it's like the game doesn't tell you anything about it. And the systems change, so it's like you know, this warped version of it. It was really fun to work on that. And I, I can't wait to do more of those. Actually, it's really funny. I did forget where the apartment is in Cyberpunk 2077. I know. And like, it's I not on your map. I didn't touch it for years. And you get, and like at some point, I think in like 2022 or 2021, they gave every player like free Witcher 3 cosmetics that you can pick up in your apartment. <laughs> and I wanted it. And oh. then I booted up, yeah, and I booted up Fan Liberty. And I was like, I do not know where the apartment is. I had to Google it. I was like, where is the <laughs> apartment in Cyberpunk? It's in the mega building in, what's it called? Block, block, block 10, towns. building 10. Yeah, something like that. You can buy more apartments too. You gotta get the get the fancy one. Yeah, one of the things with the new DLC is like you get a new apartment in Dogtown. It's like Dog Dogtown's like a hundred percent a bombed out like crater, and so your apartment's like a, this fallout bullshit. You know, it's like everything. It's like you have a mattress in the corner. It's so gross. It's awful. But yeah, you can go there and look in the mirror and change your appearance. 
I'm glad that Cyberpunk got a happy ending mm. in the end. Remember three years ago? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah I was. But, I mean, of the game, dark. really. So I don't know if the ending's happy. If so. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, not the end game story, but the story of the video game Cyberpunk mm. got a happy ending. Mm-hmm. It's but they like did my... add an ending. They yeah. did add an ending a to new, the game. A new, yeah, a new what improved ending. Yeah. I didn't really, the, the original ending didn't bother me, but it was a big downer. At least yeah. my, the way yeah. my ended up. The, the the nomad ending is really good but I, I i cheated the system like you know i didn't care about those characters in that storyline at all but i read online that like that was sort of the optimal ending so i mm-hmm. i um i metagamed oh, cool. it yeah um yeah i mean i like cyberpunk like i wonder if like night city is such a iconic like they've created one of the greatest video game locations of all time and like it's tied into the cyberpunk uh tabletop role-playing game um and like it makes me wonder if for any future cyberpunk games, it's like the Herculean effort that would be required to make a new place from scratch that was like that feels impossible. But then also it's like it's a little bit disappointing if they reuse Night City again. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know. Like it's a it's a tough call. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could just go deeper in, right? Like redo Night City, but make it so you could actually enter every building. As opposed to just some of them, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Right. And they could also just sort of, like, what, think about what they're doing with Spider Man 2. Right. Same city, but they're adding new boroughs. It'll be so nice because we'll all be retired and we'll have time to play <laughs> Cyberpunk 2. Our I convalescence. Think about, I think about that a lot. Thinking about just playing video games in my old age. <laughs> my, what I'll be doing in my old age is just what I'm doing now, <laughs> largely for the most part. Let's move on to our next topic. This is uh, Random Black, and they say, yes, that is my real name. Random Black. Long time, first cool. time. With the rapid growth of AI technology, we've already seen AI-generated art in every medium, from visual art to music and video. I feel like it's only a matter of time before we see a triple-A video game made from the ground up with AI. Graphics, voices, story, everything. I'm curious as to the Scoop Crew's opinion on this. I agree that it is only a matter of time. Yeah. Maybe not... You know, not this year, not next year. <laughs> uh, a fully realized AAA video game, AI generated. Yeah, maybe in 10, 15 years. That I, I think that's entirely possible. The whole promise of robots and AI was that they would become all the janitors and burger flippers and take over all the BS jobs, and then humans would be freed up to just create art and, mm. um, you know, and write things and you know, yeah. and the humanities. Like it would be the big rise of that in our culture. And instead, um, you know, the minimum wage has stayed the same for 20 years and income equality is worse than ever. And now AI is making our art instead. <laughs> so somewhere is something mm. we went sideways. Um, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> like, no, like, look, like it, the way the question is phrased, it's like, would I play the game? Like, yeah, I'd play it as a, as a cultural curiosity. And like, mm-hmm. you know, but that's not what, like, that's abhorrent to me in terms of like the direction of uh, art overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 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 with you. I'm and I'm you know, I, like in the same way that I won't watch movies from certain directors just because I don't like them, you know? Like if I find out that AI suddenly makes a bunch of games and books and stuff like that, I'll just avoid them for the same reason. It's just like, you know, it's just not for me. I'd rather I would rather spend my limited time on this planet playing things from, you know, people that I know and people that I admire and like. That's a question that I was grasping with. Like is is the human authorship part of it? Is that part of mm-hmm what's important and cool about, I guess, all art. Like, I haven't ever thought about that before. I'm yeah. thinking about that now, and so I guess so. Although, like, 
imagine uh, just some like pleasant instrumental electronic music. Just imagine what that sounds like to you. If you were listening to it, you're like, this is nice. If you found out, well, this is generated by AI, would that bother you? I guess so it's I guess it's a matter of like I, would I be looking forward to it? You know, like if I find out that oh my god, I'm, I don't even listen to a lot of music anymore, right? But if I found out like Nine Inch Nails is like twenty years down the line, it's like <laughs> we're coming back, we've revived Trent Reznor <laughs> from the dead, and we have a new album. Twenty years? Yeah, he's I think he's got more than twenty years left. He's living hard. He's living hard. Not anymore. He's a family he's, man. Uh, he's got he's kids. down. All right, well, forty years. He's retired. He's playing video games. Never mind. Yeah. Fifty years. I don't know. Sixty years. We'll see. Point is, I wouldn't be looking forward to like the next big game from AI in the same way that I would sure. be if it was that's, like the next yeah. big album from person. Sure, you know? that's fair. Sam. An AI-generated video game, I think I know what your answer will be. Well, I, um, uh, I already don't like games that are not made by game developers. For uh, example? Like Mario, Mario Maker levels or uh, Roblox, for example. But a lot of people do. And I think Roblox is showing you what's going to happen here. <laughs> like, it's just a bunch of idiots making things that kids play. Like, that's, that, it's going to happen, and it's going to make somebody a whole lot of money and it's going to be really corporate, corpo BS, and it's going to feel bad. And then uh, there'll be artists that make AI games that are like super interesting because they're like, hey, this like I twisted this computer to do this, you know, cool thing. Like that's kind of neat, right? Those are like the polar ends, and then you know we'll all be replaced by you know machines eventually. So, you know, we got some time to see everything play out. But um, what I, you know, like the, it, it, it's like it, it's. I don't, I want to know that somebody curated and crafted something to have some other motive other than me playing more of it. So like mm -hmm. social media's algorithms are crafted to have me be on it more. It's not to have it be a better story or like be the best it can be or show me my best friend's best moments. It's not for that. And so I, I, AI, like an AI generated game is gonna be like by definition, made for a purpose other than somebody being like, I think this art should express what I feel about the world or what you should know about something that you don't know about. And like, you know, like it's just like it, it AI right now is just language models. It's not, it's yeah. not a brain. If, if AI is a brain, then it's just, it's just an identity that can create something. And I want to know what it wants to tell me. But like, until then we're just talking about something that's just trying to get you to do more of it. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like there's just nothing, there's it, nothing appealing about that. That's hard. That's a hard concept to get across. But I hope I got it. No, I think that's. I think you make a really good point. I'm just saying, like, like AAA aside, I think the first, like, all AI generated video game that like resonates and has any sort of cultural impact will be smaller in scope. Just imagine like an indie roguelike, something like that, and it will be, uh, it will be like a surprise. It'll be like someone will release it, and it'll be like this big indie hit, and then. A couple weeks down the line or whatever it's revealed aha right this was an yeah. ai generated game happen. do we know i think it'll be more like roblox are going to make a bunch of ai generated games and make a bunch of money first i think that would be the most likely scenario and that would be the success story yeah like, do we even know if like ai could even make like a sequel to a thing that it makes right like ai number 47 right for example yeah. makes a thing and people like like it right but then like and all AI is doing is you're plugging in inputs into it and it forms this thing. And you're like, okay, well, time to make a sequel. And then you just input the same thing, but add like better yeah. at the end of it. Would it not just like show you the same game? Like it'll never be, right. there'll never be like, a how second. Can it, yeah. 
it can it can do it again it can do yeah. a different version of it but like it's not it's not ai is not creative and when an ai chatbot spits out words it doesn't know whether the words that it's saying are right or not or true or not and so you know like you could say hey do this again but change this part of it and improve that part of it and you know maybe it could spit I've out I've done a that sequel. with them can you add a cake into the story like you <laughs> yeah. totally totally do that yeah um, exactly I, I have a huge counterpoint to this so okay. uh, has anybody here read ender's game mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. I haven't. Uh, there's there's a video game in Ender's Game that these aliens are communicating to the main character Ender through. Basically, he goes into his pad and he plays a game, and it's about killing this giant. And one day he like crawls inside the giant's eye and then goes through the back of the giant's head. And there's a whole castle behind it and stuff. We're talking about like an adventure game that like all the kids are playing, but it has some kind of um, generation to it, you know, and they think it's by an AI. I don't think anybody questions it, but it turns out it's by this alien species that's trying to tell him to kind of like what I was just saying, like it's trying to communicate to him through this game. However, I think the AI version of that game is incredibly interesting because when you talk about it, an AI generated game that way, it's personalized. And that means that a game developer which I would love to make me a game that I can relate to and have some connection to humanity at large. That's interesting. Well, what about if you're playing a game and, and things that matter only to you show up in that game and, and how creepy that would be or amazing based on it scraping your stuff. That's all available. Like, I mean, you, you, the fact that you had a Facebook account means that you don't own a bunch of those things. Like it's gone. Yeah. Like you, you're already, you already passed the point of privacy there, right? So it's like that. Th- it's possible that an AI-generated game could be so far removed from what a creator could make because it could be personalized. And then just take that back. What could happen next year with that? Well, you could be playing a game where a character is actually pretty interesting to talk to and never repeats dialogue and has its own, you know, set of dialogue that that's being generated for you. Now take that like to the nth level, right? Like it's your open-ended, unending roguelike. That you know is is that's 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 an AI future which is like interesting and made by an auteur still, but the experience is going to be not like something that nobody could ever do for you, unless it's, it's a, a giant spider queen in space. <laughs> it's such a depressing thought that like you know the space age future technology will just be used to make you know more authentic you know Harry Potter fanfic self inserts. Like, <laughs> totally. You, you know, like that. That's not like. And that's what these, and I, and I know this isn't what you meant by this, Sam, but like a lot of that, these that's, AI. That's the corpo answer, right? But like a lot of these AI bros are like, you know, imagine if you could be in the story. And it's like, that's the, that's the beginning and end of their creativity. And, their, <laughs> and their, you know, that's the definition of the metaverse. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know. It bums me out. Like I, I want art to be able to surprise me. And, you know, it's a way to sort of, this is such a pretentious answer, but like, you know, you're getting insight into the creator and, um, you know, and sort of their frame of mind when they made it. And um, I don't know, it bones me out. No, you're right. Like, I, I think there's this thing where there's like a, a, a level, there's something that people want. It's like, I want to I wanna see a cool thing and I want to feel good about it all the time, 100% all the time. And then you, and they're taking away the mess of like playing something or, or engaging with something that was made by another person where sometimes it's like, you made this creative decision. I didn't like it. It made me feel bad that yeah. you 
killed this character or did yeah. this a certain way and that's good you know but like it, it but like sometimes i think there are, i think there are some people who would rather like no i want all my favorite characters to be alive and i want only like me to feel good about this thing that i'm playing 100 percent of the time I mean, it's already i mean roguelikes aside which are designed to be random so damon i think you're right like when ai manifests itself in sort of like a finished product that had very little human hands in it it's probably going to be something like that like randomized you know a really really advanced yeah, or procedurally randomizer sure. but like the, in in a game like starfield or skyrim the radiant quests and the non-handcrafted non-hand curated content is already the worst part of those video games <laughs> Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I don't like maybe there's an argument that like better AI tools like generative, you know, like characters will never run out of things to say. Like maybe it can fix the parts of those games that don't feel That's good right now. But say. like Yep. But I, I run away from anytime I'm in a video game and I'm like, I feel like I'm on the treadmill now and I feel like I'm yeah. not in like handcrafted <laughs> content. I run yeah. back the other direction. I'm like, I want to get back on the critical path at that point. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if before we get, you know, fully realized AI generated games, we'll get like AI modified games. Because I was thinking the other day with like deep fake technology, which can be creepy so often, I think we'll see, maybe, I don't know if clever is the right word, but other applications for it. For example, this occurred to me the other day, Die Hard, mm. the movie Die Hard. That script was famously kicking around Hollywood for decades. And at one point, Frank Sinatra was attached as the <laughs> lead role. I think one day wow. we're going to be like AI, just like, let's just put Frank Sinatra into Die Hard. I want to watch. Die Hard starring Frank, Frank Sinatra. And I think the, the deep fake is going to be able to work, be convincing enough that we'll just be able to watch a movie that way. Oh, like, totally. just swap out actors for whoever we want. There's a YouTube channel that does that. You know, there's all these, like, casting rumors, like, oh, Tom Cruise was almost mm-hmm. an Iron Man, stuff like that. There's a YouTube channel that put Tom Cruise into Iron Man uh, yeah. using deep fake technology. And, like, it's like a cool curiosity kind of thing, you yeah. know? It's like, what act, what would have happened if this actor was cast instead of Robert Downey Jr., for example, right? Yeah. Be, but, you know, it's but it'll never be, like the whole movie, you know? Never? I, the, I mean, for legal that, reasons, it can't be because Disney will shut it down. Well, but, I mean, people the, do all yeah. sorts of things that are illegal. Though. All right, that's true. Oh. The, and then, the craven, the craven, capitalistic, like, ah, ha, ha, now your favorite actors never need to age or die. They'll yes. be here forever. And it's like, dude, like, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not, like, I, I don't know, I'm lacking, like, the vocabulary to, like, talk, make a comment on, like, what that says about, like, the human condition in 2023, but it's not good. It's not I mean, great. Along those same lines, I had this thought the other day. Even, you know, legality aside, I think one day, maybe not in our lifetime, but one day you're going to be able to tell your AI assistant, whatever their name is, let's say it's just still Siri, Siri, generate me a new feel-good Beatles song in the style of I Want to Hold Your Hand. And it's just going to go, yeah. and now you're, you're just listening to a Beatles song you've never heard, and it's going to sound like it was recorded in the 60s? Yep. We're very close to that, and that's yeah. really, really interesting to me as well. Um, there's another video game that's generated by AI that's in popular culture, and that's The Matrix. Mm-hmm. And that one cracks me up because that in that one, the, the computer, the AI has not figured out that they made such a shitty video game that everybody wants to break out of it. It's like, if you can give people just like pleasure sensations, just make that Star Trek next generation <laughs> game that sticks to their face and they all have orgasms all the time. <laughs> like, what do you do with it? Like, why, why did you make a game where some people are janitors? It's, it's so stupid. Lo- 
The it's Matrix. The stupidest computer. <laughs> I mean, I haven't watched that movie in like a decade, but isn't that like a plot point of like they they made the perfect world first, right? And then humans were like, mm, I don't know about this, so they had to <laughs> yeah. make like the crappy well, world because like that was what our brains would accept. Was but the, I think they explain the that the... in the second one with the architect because <laughs> everybody was asking that question. The air goes and the in the <laughs> yeah. blah, 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 and that's that's. That's the point where like 95% of us are like, okay, Matrix. Okay, Matrix. <laughs> I want out. Well, uh, at the very least, it's all in very interesting food for thought. I, 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 this is just me. Personally, I'm of the mind that like, if a lot of this makes you uncomfortable, it's kind of like, well, a lot of this is going to happen anyway. So you got to kind of figure out. 100%. Got to well, kind of I mean, I'm glad that get we, right with it. I'm glad that we, we solved it. Yeah, well, we did well, solve it. it. That's what we do at GameScoop. Mm-hmm. And one day, maybe AI will be making the best game podcast, and it'll be the second one ever. <laughs> the second video game podcast. <laughs> that brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from an anonymous listener and viewer, and they will explain why. They say, hey, after listening to the last episode, hearing you collectively ponder about Apple usage at Microsoft, we were wondering if, if people within... Uh, Microsoft are allowed to use Apple computers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, They say, I wanted to share some info from my limited perspective. I used to work at one of Microsoft's in-house advertising teams. We had several employees who used Apple products, and I remember they had to put stickers on the back of their computers to cover the logo. (laughs) The logo still lit up, and everyone knew what it was under that sticker, but there was at least a small attempt to maintain appearances. There we go. What what was the sticker? A Windows logo? (laughs) (laughs) LAUGHTER um, I think they probably had their nicely job stickers that they just put on there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> and with that, let the questioning begin. Uh, did this game come out in the 70s, 80s, or 90s? No. Can you play this game on a Macintosh? <laughs> I mean, you can. It's <laughs> emulatable. Yeah, is that what that means? Or I guess it's out on PC and it's one of the few games that work. I don't know. Um, is this game multi-platform? Nope. Oh, never mind. Uh, was this published? Uh, wait, do we know if it's console exclusive? I'm, I, I'm blanking. That's what Matt just asked. I said it's not it multi-platform. Is. Multi-platform. Okay, yeah, that's is why. Okay, so it's... But, but that doesn't mean it's a console exclusive because it could be, an, I mean, I guess it could be like a PC game, right? I mean, I guess yeah. the, I just yeah. want to know if it's a console. I'm trying to determine if it's a Nintendo, Sony, or Xbox is what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, I think we know it's a console exclusive. Matt just asked it in the reverse way. No, I'm just saying like, I, I need to know if it's Sony, Microsoft, or Nintendo. So or is it one of those? On PC. Yeah, or that's what I'm trying PC. to ascertain here. Or maybe, I don't know. Or... Is this from the, uh, the, uh, GameCube generation. <laughs> what get, what are the years of the GameCube generation to you? I'm not telling you that. I'm going to ask you if it's from the GameCube. <laughs> I, can, I cannot just, answer your question. Uh, is this from before? I don't When did the Wii U come out? 2006? 2006? Nobody knows. Seven? Well, is this from before 2007? Yes. Ooh. W- was this a uh, PS2 exclusive? No. That's five. Same question, Xbox? Nope. Oh, maybe really? it was a PC game or a handheld game. Or handheld, yeah. Was this, this a, a PC game? game? Yes. Uh, I don't, uh, oh, wait, which one was it? We were talking at the same time. Handheld? Yeah, handheld. 
Okay. Cool. Okay. So it's probably DS, but we don't know for sure. Okay. Was this a DS exclusive? Yes. Woo. Fun. Uh, did this game rely on the touch screen? Yes. Or controls? Yes. I think it's, I think it's Rub Rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Pack Picks. <laughs> yeah. Yoshi's Touch and Go. Was this a launch launch window uh, DS game? Okay, I'm asking you a question. Did the DS launch in 2005? No, I think I it like oh, I think it's before that. Three, yeah. Okay, well then, no, definitely not a launch window game. That's ten. Could be Hotel Dusk. I love Hotel Dusk. Right? Did Was this published by Nintendo? Yes. Hold on, aren't they all published by Nintendo technically? If it comes out on no. the DS, no. Oh, never mind. No. No. Oh no, you're right. No, they're just licensed by Nintendo. <clears throat> yeah. Did you see that there was a Hotel Dusk spiritual successor announced? I did. I did. Yeah, that's crazy. Hmm. Cannot wait. Uh, let's see. Published by Nintendo. That's actually a really good clue. Um, does this game does this game feature Mario in any way? Any Mario universe characters? No. Could still be Hotel Dusk. <laughs> they published that, I think. I don't know. Um, did uh, Does this game uh, feature Zelda or Star Fox characters? No. <laughs> the Hotel Dusk uh, connection grows stronger. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you guys. I, like, honestly. Uh, was this like a story-centric, like story-heavy game? No. Oh, Never mind. Hotel Dusk is fine. R.I.P. Hotel Dusk. <laughs> It'd be Electroplankton, but we've had that, I think. That's fine. That doesn't stop, Damon. This, uh, <laughs> it's uh, unstoppable. Is the, is the GameScoop wiki still being maintained? Yes. The database? Yeah, exactly. It's up to date. Oh, cool. I should check it out. Um, does this game have a sequel? Not a direct sequel, no. There's like a spiritual thing. That's 15. Interesting. Oh, 15 already? Yeah. Oh, Are you man, sure it's I got not... overconfident. Are you sure it's not 10? <laughs> yeah. Did you miss five there? Mm-mm, I said five. That's not a question. <laughs> okay. We're not... Spiritual sequel. Are we, are we really at 15? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, stop messing around. I thought we just had this in the bag. Our I producer, don't know. I feel like we're... Tom will correct me if I'm wrong, but... I feel like we've got so... a good grip, maybe. So, okay. We need to, we do need to take stock. So, it's okay. Nintendo-published... It's uh, it's not very story heavy. It's not Star Fox, Zelda, or Mario, and it's on the DS. And it's DS, not and from it has like a super. Sequel. Yeah, but don't worry about that. James. Yeah, all right. Well, then never mind then. Forget the sequel. I mean, that's yeah, crazy. We really did just have Meteos, so it's probably not that again. Oh, gosh. yeah. There's like Kid Icarus and. Yeah, but that was on the 3DS, wasn't it? 3DS, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. It was. Oh, boy. It seems like very one-off-y from what we're talking about. Um, And, like, the, the Nintendo did some weird stuff. They did, like, Steel Diver. It was at 3DS, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, that was more, like, launch window, right? I There's, like, the like, Brain Age games. Yeah. It's really touchy. There's, yeah, what, Brain uh, a- Nintendo Brain Brain Age and Nintendo Dogs, Plus Cats. Mm-hmm. Is it worth asking if this is one of those like casual mass yeah, market? Yeah, maybe like was this targeted at uh, audiences beyond yeah. gamers? I think that's great. 
Damon, was this targeted at audiences beyond gamers? I think so. Just trying to check to make sure. So I think, yes, How yes, did you check yes, that? yes, yes, it was at 16. Maybe it's like the, the card games one. What was that? It was like 52. Yeah. yeah. Uh, shit. Um, uh, and then there's also it, the novels one. On the Switch. It was, uh, it was a Clubhouse Games. Clubhouse oh, Games. Yeah. And, then, and it was like a bestseller for a long time. Or yeah. There's also the, the 100 classic books. <laughs> there was the Bible. <laughs> I don't, Nintendo didn't publish that. Um, I don't okay. know how to narrow this down. Is there a reason why so, it would be Brain Age? Was that already a game or something? I think it could be Brain Age. It could be Brain Age. It could be Nintendogs. could be Clubhouse Games. There was another Brain Age. There was a, what, Big Brain Academy. Oh, yeah, Big Brain Academy. Could be any of those. Hmm. I don't know how to narrow it down. Uh, Wait, we're running running low. Three questions and and a guess. Could be Cooking Mama. Yeah, I don't think they published that. No, they uh, didn't. <laughs> here's some help. Producer Tom thinks that the, the question about the casual games may lead you down a dark path, but I don't make the rules. Oh. Nintendo marketed it that way. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. I, that yeah, sounds maybe it's ominous. not a casual That sounds thing. like something you hear on Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's So, okay. Anyway. Like, with that in mind, like, it could be like a Pokemon game or something that had, like, crossover mm-hmm. appeal. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess like one of the like like spin-off Pokemon games like Dungeon Dungeon Explorer or whatever it's called. Well, or or just like or it could like why couldn't it be Diamond and Pearl? I don't know. Should we ask if it's like an RPG an adventure game or a What was that it, it, this, it didn't get a sequel but it got like a spiritual successor later that Damon said don't worry yeah, about don't, that that don't, much. Don't so, worry about Don't worry about that. I'm not worrying I'm not worrying about it. <laughs> but I'm just saying like that means it can't be Pokemon. What about Tetris? What about Tetris DS? Was there a Tetris DS? Oh yeah, it was oh, yeah. great. It had online play. It was awesome. It, it had all fantastic. these weird modes. We could ask if it's a puzzle game, an adventure game, or a. Um, uh, Let's be smart about this. Let's ask if it's a brain puzzle, trainer, a puzzle game, or a dog's game. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not a puzzle game, nor a dog's game. Oh no. But Damon, sidebar, would you have counted <laughs> would you have counted the brain games as puzzle games? Uh I, I mean in this context, yeah, I probably would have. Oh god. So it's not any of them. It's not a brain game or a dog's game. <laughs> or Nintendogs. Damon what would it help to know if it got good scores? That wouldn't help me. No. I mean, so that would still leave Clubhouse games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess they're not about, puzzles. You, you, you name-dropped Electroplankton. Could be that. I, mean, I feel like we just had that one. It's also like 2005-ish, 2004-ish or whatever. They public, Nintendo published Layton, but that's story. That's like pretty yeah. story-heavy. And it's also obviously a puzzle game. Definitely sequels. Um, is this? Should we ask if it's just like part of one of Nintendo's biggest universes or a spinoff? Well, that was already or like Mario a smaller and, thing. And Zelda, right? Like those are and Star Fox. But are like we're missing Pokemon. Well, and but we know the game didn't get sequels. 
Well, so it, it could be, just be its own thing. It could be a Pokemon spinoff that didn't yeah, get a sequel. Could be a spinoff. Like it can't be, couldn't be Animal Crossing. What's the Pokemon game that they did? That they did? That was like with ghosts instead? <laughs> Yo- like Yo-Kai Watch. Yo-Kai, Yo-Kai Watch? Watch? That was a level five joint. That was a 3DS game. But they might have published it. We they hear, did. We yeah. hear sometimes from our listeners that they're just yelling at their iPhones uh, <laughs> while they're listening to this, and that's what Tom is doing right now as he's producing this show. Oh no! Is it that obvious? Great. There was Uh-oh. that. There was that rhythm game. Um, it was Oindan in Japan, and then it came out in the United States as um. Oh, beat Ag- elite beat agents. The elite beat agents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I loved elite mm-hmm. beat agents. Right. It was really good. I just showed it to my kids um, like a couple months ago. There was a uh, mm, there was uh, pinball. There was Metroid Prime pinball. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. What was it? The Metroid Hunters, the unfinished demo did, DS cartridge. Did we already ask if it was a puzzle game? Yes, it's yes. not a puzzle. Yeah, game. we yes. did. So we could do: is this a music pinball or uh, adventure we, game? Do we have one question and a guess? Two questions and a guess. I don't know. Music, music pinball or adventure? I'd say. Okay. Is this a music pinball or adventure game? Yes. Oh, oh god! Now we have one question and a guess. <laughs> yep. Which do like we do? A, do we? I think it's Elite Beat Agents. Now that now that we're I think it, I think it probably I think it is might this be. a music game? Yes. All right. Well, it's Elite Beat. It's not Electroplankton because we just had that. Yeah. yeah. Is, is it, it Elite Beat Agents? It is Elite Beat Agents. Yes. Woo! Nice Woo! job. I love a good twentieth uh, question save. Two thousand six. My goodness me. And look how janky this looks now. Wow. Yeah, I know it's too low res. Yeah, uh, it was released under Nintendo's Touch Generations label, which marketed its games to more casual people. So, so I love Elite Beat Agents. Like, yeah. just mm-hmm. I wanted to say that up front. But like, I did. I really did get this cart out and play it. Uh, get, play it with my girls the other day. Not the other day, but like you know, three or four months ago. And like, a the game is incredibly hard. Like it's not friendly. Like it's really like, cause I, I was so immersed in it and played it so much. I got really good at it and B all the song covers are terrible. Oh my gosh. And when the game came out 20 years ago, I didn't think anything about how the covers like, you know, we just don't like music games have real songs now. They don't have covers. So that's my elite beat agent sort of modern day. Yeah. Look back. Uh, published by Nintendo, developed by Innis, mm. which they just did sort of rhythm game stuff, and uh, they are still today, but they are under they have a new name. They went bankrupt in like 2016, and now they're just an, under a new game, making a lot of iOS stuff and mobile gaming. Oh, okay. so. oh yeah, okay. there was like Japan only rhythm elite beat agent games, weren't there? Yeah, they have yeah. long yeah, Japanese Dan, titles. Yeah. Owen Dan and Owen Dan too. They're right, great. right. Yes. Thank you for the suggestion, our anonymous listener. Uh, I know Sam needs to run. Sam will also be out for the next couple of weeks, so. Uh, safe travels, mm-hmm. Sam. Uh, we will see you. Thank in you a so few much. When you get back, and we'll be able to, again. We'll be able to talk about Spider-Man Two in a few weeks. But that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you to Matt here in the studio with me. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Justin, and thank you to Tom working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. My name is Damon. This is IGN Game Scoop, and we're out. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we 
are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.